it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today, I've got a great guest with me, Jonathan Brown. He's a Canadian-born rock drummer turned award-winning author. He has just released the third novel in his popular Lou Crasher series, Drums, Guns, and Money. It's available everywhere from Down and Out Books. His ongoing battle with multiple myeloma throughout the previous year has been nothing short of inspiring to anyone who has followed his journey and Sonia's journey, his wife, this previous year. So Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Terrence, I'm over the moon with joy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, God, thank you for being here. Now, why don't you, uh, I know this is the third book in your series. So yep. why don't you tell us a little bit about Drums, Guns, and Money, how we got here and what people could expect if they haven't read the series before. Okay, the um, series came about because I moved to Los Angeles at 27 years old and chasing the rock and roll dream. And mm -hmm. went to music school, got my diploma, and just started playing as much music as I could up and down Sunset Strip and uh, and all that stuff. And as I was going along, I thought there were so many characters and they were so rich that I started to kind of journal about stuff that happened because, you know, I thought when I go home at Christmas, I got to tell this story and, and let me get it at least <laughs> half right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> And so um, as a musician, uh, you move around a lot when you're young and stuff. So uh, I would just have these loose papers, throw them in a box. And many years later, I thought there's almost enough uh, material here for a book. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a book that involved a lot of the L.A. rock scene. And, you know, I'm a big fan of movies and crime. So I said, let me make this rock drummer like an amateur P.I., you know, he's trying to mind his own business in the rock world. Something happens and he looks into it because he's got all these contacts. And so I decided to, um, that's how I came up with Lou Crasher. And, um, you know, the old adage of write what you know, while I knew the mm -hmm. rock scene and, you know, Lou is a Canadian uh, rock drummer living in, in L.A. So that was me. <laughs> and then I would uh, put in there all the things in life that I wouldn't do. Okay. So I, uh, Lou uh, puts it. He, he puts himself in harm's way a lot, and I don't do that. Uh, younger, I did a lot of stupid <laughs> things, as we all did, but <laughs> I, I remember just all, a yeah. quick story. The, um, <clears throat> I needed a, as a musician, you always had to have a day job to support your, your habit of music. So one of the jobs I had at 22 years old, I was a bouncer. And a buddy of mine said, he was a valet parker at a nightclub. And he said, hey, we need a bouncer. Um, do you want to come down? And I said, sure. I mean, I'm 5'11". Well, okay, six feet in boots and 200 pounds. And <laughs> so I get there and I'm the smallest bouncer there, but that's okay. I thought, I'll be the diplomat. I'll be the Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse where <laughs> I convince you to leave before I have to do my spinning heel kick or something. Right. But when I said... When I sat in the office and got the interview, the boss said, okay, um, you start tonight. And then he, he answers his phone, which was a landline back then. And I can hear his side of the conversation. And he's saying, uh, yeah, it was a huge brawl in here. Yep, yep. Yeah, and the bouncer, yeah, Dave, he got his job busted. Yeah, it's too bad, but I got the new guy right here in front of me. <laughs> like, I said, can we rewind to the busted job part? <laughs> Exactly. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, he goes, you still want the job? And I, and I did. I got a lot of stories. And 
you know, mixed it up a lot. So uh, that really helped me in writing fight scenes because I was really up in the mix a lot. I can imagine, especially a bouncer <laughs> anywhere, but especially in LA on Sunset Strip, you must have seen quite a bit. Oh, sorry, that was still up in Canada before I came down here. Vancouver. Vancouver part, okay. Because yeah. I knew a little bit about the uh, Toronto scene uh, mm -hmm. where the Stones used to play at a couple of places. Rob Bernay took me and my wife by there, but Vancouver, that, now that's, that's interesting. You don't hear a lot about the Vancouver uh, music scene. How does it differ from the LA version of it or what, some of what we have down here in the States? I would say uh, very good players for, the, for a small pool, excellent Ooh. musicians. Uh, the tough part is, uh, you know, a handful of the men and women uh, get all the gigs. And so it was tough to be on the outside and say, you know, that drummer's playing in 14 bands. How about just give this drummer one gig? <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, in, and then of course I got in there and played a lot of gigs, but it, it was a lot of the same classic rock and the same tune. So I, I, I had no problem. I said, let me go to a big pond and I don't mind being like in the middle of the pack as long if I'm surrounded by people that are better than me, I will get better. And right. that's what happened. The same thing happens in writing, right? That's why right. I'm on, that's why I'm on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, pal. Well, you know what? That's the thing. We all have to help each other out because if we don't, who the hell is going to, right? Yeah. So uh, that's how I came up with Luke Crasher. And this book coming up is the third in that um, series. It's, it's right. there's 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 standalones, but it's the same character. You know, I, I envision carrying him at, as long as a uh, Reacher or a Bosch, yeah, just, mm -hmm. you know. but I, I definitely writing other stuff. I've done some historical fiction and um, last June, my first uh, noir with a female uh, protagonist came out to call Chloe. So mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I love a challenge and I'm telling you, man, it's not just because I'm a guest on your show. You are such an inspiration because you, when you move over to, over to Westerns and then you've got your gangster stuff. And I thought, not only do you have an, a high output, but you, you dip your, uh, your quill in other, wait, I don't want to make a sexual reference. You, um, <laughs> <laughs> you write in many genres and it's inspiring. It's so inspiring. So um, thank you. I am going to harass you too. I'm almost finished my Western that I talked to you about, I think two years Excellent. ago. Yes. So yes. I'm, gonna I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to harass you to peek at it before I uh, send it out to the world. I always, yeah, no, absolutely. Anytime. I mean, and that's the thing about being a writer. You, you just because you enjoy one genre in particular, doesn't mean you're stuck in that genre for the rest of your career. And yeah. it's great that you've decided to change it up and not even stay in fiction but also yeah. go into nonfiction because, yeah. you know, you wrote a really great uh, book about Vince Lombardi uh, you. that you sent Thank me. You. And I, and I really love that. And I recommend that to everybody. Why don't you tell us about how you were able to investigate a, a historical figure like Vince Lombardi and what you were able to uh, cull from his life that you put into the book. Being in music, often you will take gigs that uh, you may not even be ready for because mm -hmm. uh, of the challenge, if you make it through and don't get fired, you know, you're going to be become better. So a friend of mine told me about this publisher called Mentoris, and they were doing stories on uh, famous Italians and Italian-Americans. And they had a list of who they were covering. And I saw the list and I said, oh, I'd like to write the book about Angelo Dundee, who was Muhammad Ali's boxing trainer, yep. um, among others. 
but first, my buddies said, uh, I put your name in with my boss because uh, I told him you're a writer. And I said, I don't, I'm a crime fiction. I don't do that stuff. And he said, <laughs> he said, uh, they're paying $20,000. I said, oh, that's a Exactly what I write. That is my <laughs> area of expertise. <laughs> exactly right. I didn't write so, it before, uh, but I do now. <laughs> exactly. It's funny uh, where the motivation comes from. <laughs> Isn't it? So they um, they uh, said, you know, here's how it goes. You write an outline. And if we dig it, we give you half the money up front. You go away, write the book. Uh, you have a year and uh, come back. If we like it, then you get the rest of the money. So it scared the crap out of me, which I do like. I like that. I like that right. challenge. You know, that's, I think that's the former athlete in me and stuff like that. But um, with that one, with Dundee, I reached out to one family member and uh, did not get a warm and fuzzy response and could have been, um, it's a query, right? So this guy thought, right. who is this guy? I, I, you know what I mean? So yeah. I thought, okay, there's pl plenty of books. So I just went with the, the books and the Google and what I could find. And they wanted a novel based on the life of. So I thought, oh, okay, if I get to make stuff up, then I'm good, you know? Right. So the Lombardi book was, um, I kept checking back. Do you have any more books? Do you have any more books? <laughs> and they said they didn't, but it was a shame that uh, the Lombardi book fell through. And I said, uh, what do you mean the Lombardi book fell through? They said, we had an author write the book, but he refused to let us edit it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Are you not the publisher? And they said, no, we're the publisher. But he said, you cannot touch this manuscript. Wow. And uh, so uh, they said, no can do. And he's, so he took his book and his half money up front and he walked. And I said, well, I used to play football and, and I came up watching football in the 70s. I, I said, I will rescue that book for half the price. And they said, sold. I said, oh, did I say half the price? <laughs> 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 I meant... <laughs> So that's how Lombardi came up. And there was, again, a lot of material on mm -hmm. him and uh, probably like five or six books. You know, I, I just jumped around and and I thought, well, I can't just tell, write a book about football because that's going to be a really small window of fans. Right. And, you know, thank God his life was very rich off the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tapped into that and found that... Um, he did a lot for minorities. He stood up for gay people, like all the stuff that you wouldn't know. His whole thing was to inspire players for when they leave the sport of football and carry on in life. He wanted them to be leaders, good fathers, right. you know, family men and stuff. So uh, I found in writing a book that's about characters that are positive is a lot easier than writing. I mean, in fiction, we love writing about the heel and the villain, sure. Sure. But, you know, I don't think... I really want to do a book like that about, you know, a despot or a dictator. That's not really what I want to write about. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny when you when you dip your foot into that pond. It's, uh, I've seen some people write biographies about Benedict Arnold. And for me, I admire people who have the courage to do that because you're always thinking, you, and the publisher too must be saying, I don't know about this because yeah. there's a lot of people that are going to hate him and a lot of people aren't going to want to read about a traitor. But you know, I've read a couple of them on him and they've been really interesting to, to understand. So it's tough to take on someone yeah. that, so you, that people don't necessarily like. But with Lombardi, you had a great uh, subject there for your, yeah. for your work. Yeah. And thank you. I, I forgot I sent you that. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, sure. Um, and as you know, you've written a lot of books and you understand that every project shapes us as an author. 
What is um, what have your other works and experiences done to culminate in the uh, Luke Crasher novels? Like, uh, is there? A, I know that your 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 musician background helped mm -hmm. you set the stage here, but I mean yeah. for the the character himself, Lou. I'd love to know uh, where you drew inspiration for him as well. Yeah, so the, I had the, mu the the music side, and then I really like, uh, you know, hand to hand fighting, mm -hmm. and some shooting. I mean, I love it. I, I like shooting, but I love the hand to hand stuff. So I have a um, a background in hapkido, which is Korean karate, mm -hmm. and uh, plus football and bouncing. So I have a lot of physical stuff in the background, and when I read a lot of fight scenes, I know that for the lay person, it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to hold their attention. And I think there's some rules where you're not supposed to go beyond X amount of paragraphs or pages. Right. But I like to try to push that and break the rules sometimes. And uh, I really, when I discovered um, how Lee Child did it with Jack Reacher, who will really describe almost the biology of the snapping of the elbow, I kind of, right. I, I do like that stuff. And then, which reminded me of reading the early Conan the Barbarian books, because he used to do that. And then yeah. I went back and thought, oh, the deep, the, the, the description is so detailed and pretty realistic. And then I went, I think in my 20s, I read either the Iliad or the Odyssey or one of those. And I thought, oh, this is where these guys got that stuff from. <laughs> yep. You go back <laughs> far enough, you'll always find the source. Exactly. So um, so I liked that. Yeah, so that's where I could get the, the action and the fight scenes. Um, again, I want my character to do things not quite at the level of James Bond, but uh, a little less than that, but more than mm -hmm. what I could have could ever do in the beginning i made the mistake when i didn't really know the rules of, of mystery i would sort of have a tense scene and then i'd throw in uh, humor right and that really kind of broke things up and uh, i had an editor elaine ash she said uh, you can't really oh, do yeah elaine yeah she's like you're kind of you're kind of killing the mood by uh, having him wise cracked right after he got cracked in the face or something like that i right. said oh you know that makes sense so you learn as you go i i um time and place for the humor and right. uh, time and place for the tension. So I wanted him, I really liked the early, you know, Jimmy Cagney and, and those early movies. I like those wisecracking guys, but then when it was time to get out the Tommy gun and go to work, they were serious, you know? Right. And if you remember Cagney, who's a short guy, he would go up to guys a foot taller and slap him in the face and say, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was believable. Right. It was believable. Yeah. And him and Regine Robinson and a lot of those guys. Edward yeah, G, yeah, were, yeah. You know, they had their own style and it worked for them. And then yeah. uh, both of them also, you know, as actors evolved as their careers went on, especially oh, yeah. Edward G. Robinson, who, who did a lot of roles right through the end of his life, a lot of different roles. And yeah. uh, Cagney did as well. He's less prolific, but yeah. no less uh, of a talented uh, artist. And I can see that's what's happening with your career too. You're constantly challenging yourself to yeah. look at different things, which is, is which is important. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it keeps keeps you sharp, keeps you interested. Right. And uh, getting back to that old adage, it used to be. I mean, they would say, "Write what you know." And I, one of the Bausher cons, some a woman on a panel, I loved it. She said, "Yeah, you write what you know, but then if you don't know it, you research it. Then you know it. Then you write." 
So it, right. it doesn't have to be your personal experience at all. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, no, I mean, and you, you're not writing a textbook on how to be a bouncer. You're not writing a textbook on how to be <laughs> a, 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 a jujitsu artist. You're, you're writing a story yeah. where it has those elements in it. And that's something a mentor of mine taught me a long time ago. You know, yes. you just have to touch on it and show me that you know what you're talking about, not necessarily give me a play-by-play -play as to how to throw a guy over your shoulder or something like that. Exactly. And um, I will definitely, um, I was speaking to an agent and he said, I like Crasher, but it's kind of tough because he's sort of a niche character. It's kind of tough to get him to a broader audience. And I said, okay, that's fine. I said, I will always write Crasher because he's dear to my heart and I know him very well. Mm -hmm. But when he said that, and also my personality of wanting to branch out, that's why I'll keep writing all over the place. Because um, I love it. And I never was delusional about when I got, uh, got into writing that I've been writing 10 years now. Right. So I was not going to step out of music and say, oh, here's where the money is writing books. <laughs> yeah, if only. <laughs> I wish so, to God that was the case. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I left. I mean, I still play, play a lot and stuff. So, but I know about the level of competition in music mm -hmm. and in writing. So I truly do it because I love it. And right. to, to keep loving it, I can't keep writing the same thing I have to. And I don't know how you get your output, but I do write two books at the same time, usually. Mm -hmm. I'll get maybe 80% into a book and then I start the next book behind it. Okay. So That's good. Uh, that keeps it fresh because that way you're you're never off the wheel and you're always, you've got momentum in some uh, in some project. Oh yeah, and and about that getting off that wheel, uh, it was fun to get off that wheel for maybe you know a couple of days. But waiting right. for um, your publisher to, publisher to get your, I mean, to wait a year, I ended up just kind of walking around the house and drive my wife crazy. She's like, shouldn't right. you, shouldn't you? Hey, how about you write another one? <laughs> right. You know? So yeah, because that's what we do. I mean, it's 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 funny. People who aren't writers don't understand it, but. You know, yeah. so a lot of us write because we want to, but then we should do it. It's like any habit, nothing else is going to give you that hit as opposed to actually doing it. Yeah. Can I ask you, you're um, like, uh, you have a very high output and it's quality. So obviously you've got talent and skill and everything, but what's your, how many hours do you write a day? Are you a word count guy? Like, what do you do? I do it from uh, from around nine o'clock in the morning until five o'clock straight. I don't take a break, which I should. Um, I'll do a bio break, but I'm not a word count guy either. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll write. I type really quick, which is okay. You know, a fundamental part of literally being able to generate the word count is because I could do it quick, and then yeah. right around five o'clock, I start to get drained a little yes. bit and so then i'll go and i'll just take a quick look and see if there's something i need to change but i'll always to follow stephen king's uh philosophy yep. end on a high note or end on a note where i have something more in the tank for tomorrow oh, yes. so that yep. i start running again and yes. so um you know i do try to write every single day but even if i'm not in front of the computer the, the writing process is going on up in my mind Oh, absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, as you know, you, you, it's always like one of those, I hate to use a technological term, but it's like one of those apps that runs in the background in, absolutely. in the mind. And then all of a sudden, bang, uh, inspiration could strike. Yeah. But 
inspiration for a story. There's not going to match any kind of inspiration for getting the work done, except being in front of the computer and typing, as you know so well. Exactly. And um, as you mentioned, I went through 2022 was mostly my battle against uh, multiple myeloma cancer, which is uh, in the leukemia family. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the chemo drugs I was on, usually uh, a couple times a week, it was just heavy, heavy insomnia. Like there, you, you, there's nothing I could take to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, rather than get pissed about it, I would just kind of lay on my back and say, "Okay, let me let me go through those scenes and let me write." Right. Yeah. And then in the morning, it was all fresh, as opposed to sometimes you have a great idea when you're groggy or you have a dream, and then you wake up and you're like, "Oh, what was that part I was going to write?" But I thought, hey, I'm a cup is full kind of guy. I thought these drugs that are that I'm on are helping me write. <laughs> uh, you know, when I can't yeah. sleep, so I would get up and write, and then you know, maybe two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I would just crash and have a nap to make yeah. up for the lack of sleep. But yeah, there's a lot of writing away from the computer for sure. Yeah, there definitely is, and and your battle you've chronicled it on Facebook, and it's been hmm. nothing short of inspiring, my friend. I mean, it was. You know, your your story was already inspiring for, you know, in your music world and then going into being a crime writer and 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 doing all sorts of writing. But then this it's just some people Uh, would have allowed that to ground them down. And you didn't do that. You you maintained and that was and thrived. And that is inspirational. And I know a lot of people watched it and took inspiration from it, including me. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, obviously, I owe the, the lion's share to my my wife. She was just. A, a rock but I remember I mean I went into I came into it as a positive guy mm. and I and I just right away said I'm not going to let cancer take that for me and I'm right. not gonna, if you know I do believe in science so if we have the right cocktails and chemo and stuff uh, I'm not going to let it take my life either right and and I want to say this to all, all you writers out there or whatever your passion is don't let the illness take that from you either so right. there were days when there was no energy to write, but you know, if there's insomnia, insomnia, I'd write. And while I went through chemo, it was, I was scheduled for six months, but it went just a little over four. So we got done early, but I, I uh, was blessed to not have too many side effects. So Thank when God. I would go, go for treatment, I would say I'm sitting under the feed bag, which was the uh, IV and I would write by hand. And uh, so I was so excited that I and grateful that I could keep writing. And mm-hmm. I looked forward, I looked forward to uh, writing again when I didn't have to sit under the, uh, the feed bag and, and all that right. stuff. So not just love and support, but your passion can keep you going too. Exactly so, right. So putting all those together, I kind of found being positive for me was easy. And also my wife and I, we eat organic. I, I mean, I also worked out seven days a week through that entire year. I, even yeah. if it was just a 15 minute workout with some stretch bands and stuff. And there were times my wife was laughing at me because I just got my new stem cells and we were staying in, in this um, at, at, the ho- at the hospital. It's like a little suite. Right. You know, it's a little eight by eight room and I'm walking around the bed in circles <laughs> at, you know, half a mile an hour. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, expletives coming everywhere. But I said, you know what, I'm still <laughs> moving. I'm still moving. And then, and then I would sit down and I'd say, uh, okay, I'm going to rest and then do another round. And then I'd wake up an hour later. And then I'd always, every time I'd accuse my wife of roofing me, 
<laughs> right. <laughs> because I would say I never sleep. <laughs> exactly right. I can imagine. So, but did you? Um, I you just mentioned something interesting that when you couldn't go in front of a computer, you you wrote by hand. Yeah. Um, I always recommend that to people as well who might be struggling or having a um, a mental block or uh, writer's block, if they call it that. Because yeah. the, the tactile function, uh, yes. to me, it always helps when you change it up a little bit. You know, banging away the computer is one thing, but you can also put pen to pad and good things can happen then too, can it? Absolutely. And I almost consider that a second draft when you take it from the pad to the computer. Right. You know, in, in a way it is. And especially for me, because I have trouble reading my own handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, here's what I probably meant to say. <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> but yeah it's a different um and i still do some by hand I mean, I mean i'm still the guy that has notebooks all over the place and in my truck and things like that mm -hmm. so i'll have a bunch of those i also use my uh phone recorder like my microphone yep and i'll dictate and uh what's the other one i can't because i i go for walks a lot so right yeah and that, well, that helps clear that helps clear and helps you think. And because I used to not be able to walk without music. And then through this, I'm like, I'm even though I'm a musician, I kind of got to turn that off for a minute and just get up in this book and think, deal with this cancer bullshit and and yeah. all that. But, uh, yeah, a lot comes out of a out of a good walk for sure. It it always does. And speaking of coming out of things, what else are you is coming out of you? uh for in terms of projects for the next uh year or so i know earlier you mentioned that you were putting the finishing touches on a western what else can we look forward to from you oh i've got another book um working title is the defender and okay right now my wife is reading it because that's our new formula is i do my first it's like a draft and a half i guess like not quite a second draft and then i give it to her for her impact she's impact um because she's a great reader and she just gets story, you mm -hmm. know? And um, so that's, her, I mean, in the beginning, I couldn't show her anything until the book was published. I didn't have the confidence. Okay. And, and then, but now we're to the point that I, you know, I can't do it without her, you know? Right. <laughs> and then, because there's so much, you know, books are very long and there's stuff that you think you got across clearly, and it's clear to you, but it's not to every, may not be to everyone else. So I think right. with my wife going through it, it's one step that makes it uh, easier for my publisher or my editor. Right, <laughs> right, exactly right. So that one's done. And I do have a, an agent that says he'll read it. So I'm kind of excited about that. Excellent. And while uh, I'm waiting on um, her to do that, that's when I really... I got 20,000 words into that Western and put it on the shelf probably two years ago or two and a right. half. And I sat down with it again and thought, this is going to be a mess because I'm so I'm such a better writer now. Right. And, and then I started to read it. I'm like, oh, no, I need to level up to where I was. <laughs> this is actually better than I thought. Yeah. So then the next, um, you know, 30,000 words just came. I, I decided to outline the back half. And then, so I've been writing, working every day on it. And I thought, I got to get this to Terrence pretty soon. I got to get this to Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever it's done, you send it along to me and I'll be glad to give you my two cents on it and uh, <laughs> and let you know how it is. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Just like all of your 
your other stuff that you've given us over the years. Thank you. And oh, just to add another thing, the other thing I got into is narrating audiobooks. Yes. Yeah, I saw that on your Facebook page as well. That, now that's a heck of a journey too. Yeah. And, and um, for people that are afraid of failing, just let me tell you this. I um, narrated the Angela Dundee book and my publisher uh, rejected it. They said, good, but not good enough sort of thing. Okay. And so that, that was a big hit. So I could either sit there and cry about it. And I thought, okay, uh, that didn't go well. I need to go to those who know. So I found a uh, audiobook uh, narrating coach. And her name is Erin Aaron Moon, and she's in Canada. And I said, let me read something, and you tell me what's wrong. And she goes, oh, you read out loud very well. I said, yeah, that's how we're taught in school. And she goes, yeah, well, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Interesting. Said, oh. Okay. I said, ah. Oh. And then as we got into it, I said, hey, wait a minute. This is acting. And she goes, yes, it is. And I said, but I'm a horrible actor. And she goes, well, if you want to do this. And I was like, ah. And then so... <laughs> It's just like, again, why do I keep picking things where I have to be at start at the beginning and learn? And <laughs> because, you know, it makes you stronger, right? Exactly right. Exactly so I worked, right. With, worked with her for a year and uh, she finally said, okay, you know, go away, you know, do, do this. You're ready. You know, right. stop. Uh, I said, well, okay, so I'll see you next month. And she said, no, you were ready. Go get out of here. <laughs> I said, okay. And then you jump into the deep end and you, you try to find a gig. And I just recently, actually, um, when my stem cells were done, I was um, going to do a book for Lisa Tolls. Okay. And she had a political. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she had a launch date all ready to go. And she said, listen, you just got your new stem cells. You went through cancer. If the book audiobook doesn't come out the same day as the paperback and ebook, don't worry about. In fact, you can do it a month, two, three months later. And I said, Look, Lisa, I love a challenge. Um, uh, when people say I can't, I get fired up. I said, But I have no idea how this is going to go because I've never uh, been given new stem cells after uh, <laughs> you know, intense chemo and stuff. I said, but I will give it everything I've got to try to land that plane the day your, your, your book is done. Right. And so the my oncologist said, you're going to be out of it for about two weeks, and then you'll slowly start to feel better. And I'm like, well, and I did sort of the, the math on how many hours of recording. And I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm probably going to be six weeks late or something, which Lisa said was okay. But I thought she's just being nice. So... The first week went by and I only felt like a little bit better and I was still doing my workouts. Then two weeks went by and I just got pissed. So I mm -hmm. hopped in my booth and the, the biggest thing they said is make sure you hydrate. Don't overheat. Well, the booth is like two feet by two feet and I'm, right. I'm 200 pounds in there and, <laughs> and it is hot. So yes. I would have three jugs of water and I went in there for 90 minutes a day. And I got that book to her the, the day of her, like, it, you know, it all got released at the same time. That's and, awesome. And and so, you know, I, I thought I, I get to pat myself on the back with that one. And uh, yes, you do. Because in that year, I released Chloe, finished off this crasher that's coming out, uh, narrated a book for Frank Scalise, and then oh, which yeah, is Frankie. called a uh, Baker's, Baker's Divorce. And uh, the, and the Ritters by Lisa Tolls. So uh, 
the output was not too bad for a guy that had to kick the crap out of cancer. You're damn right. Damn right. And it's still kicking the crap out of cancer. And, and <laughs> thank God, uh, you know, that you're doing well. And so we know that that's going to continue well into the future. Thank you. What are some of the best ways that people can keep track of you with everything that you've got going on? Uh, my website is uh, jonathanbrownwriter.com. Mm -hmm. Facebook is just my name and Instagram is Jonathan B books. Okay. But going forward, uh, I'm throwing in one of my middle initials J in there. So it's going to be John. Everything's going to be Jonathan J Brown, because okay. if you look for me on Amazon, you will get 500 books on romance and every, everything, but me. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I throw a J in there. Uh, and, um, so this next book, Drums, Guns, and Money, is Jonathan J. Brown. And I've tested it on Amazon, and boom, I pop up right away. So <laughs> There you go. That's exactly, yeah, that's the most important stuff. Yeah, you need that. You so need it's, not that. A, it's, it's not a pretentious thing like, you know, when an actor says, you know, now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This is more for practicality stuff because people need to find your stuff and not the romance writer or somebody else. Yeah. I yeah, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I get it. Well, thank you for being here, my friend. This has been wonderful to talk to you. And I hope you'll come back when you have uh, some of your new work out. Oh, well, future. thank you for having having me. I feel like I talk too much, but I guess it is a podcast. So <laughs> it's a podcast that people are listening because they want to hear what you have to say. Um, <laughs> and this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And don't forget to take a look at besttrillerbooks.com for all the best thrillers and best giveaways in the business. Besttrillerbooks.com. Thanks, oh, everybody. Really? And Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, and enjoy, and we will see you next time. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.